You're listening to the St. John's Dummy Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. reading is from Mark chapter 10 verses 35 to 45, the request of James and John. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Through the last seven months of lockdown, we've seen a lot of examples of different types of leadership. I've been watching the US presidential debates and giving thought to how Premier Dan Andrews and Prime Minister Scott Morrison are going about their business. And I've realised that more than ever, good leadership really matters. I mean, it's important when things are going well, but it's crucial when a crisis happens. Right now, millions, if not billions of people's lives will be affected by how people lead. And I'm not just talking about governments. I'm also talking about how schools transition kids back, how families lead their homes through these transitions, how churches and work organisations lead their people through this pandemic, through to the other side of whatever comes with it. And today we will look at someone I regard as the very best example of good leadership and highlight some of his principles which could help any one of us to be a good leader in our own contexts. Who is the best leader you know and why? Let me ask, what makes them a great leader? Is it their charisma, their intelligence and wit, their stability and low-risk approach? Or perhaps you admire their courage and fast-forward thinking. What kind of person do you like to follow? We have local council elections at the moment and we're being asked to make that very decision. Perhaps next year, grade sixes, grade 12s, those going into TAFE or uni will be asked to nominate a student leader for your class or your grade. And when it comes to friendship circles, who are you choosing to hang out with 
Which social leader are you aligning yourself with and how do you choose a good one? What kind of leader are you? Maybe you're a leader by title. Oh yeah, my role says I'm a leader, but I prefer the title of facilitator or host, actually. I don't feel comfortable with the title of leader. And usually something like the examples that come to mind when I think of a leader aren't how I lead. So you tend to dismiss or undervalue your own style. Or maybe you haven't thought of yourself as a leader ever, but people are suggesting you consider it or you're thinking I'd like to and you're wondering what it would take to do it well. Or perhaps you're quite comfortable in your role as leader of your household, of your ministry group or your own business, but you're needing some inspiration on how to approach this new phase that's coming up. Parenting teenagers, raising up new leaders, coming out of COVID well. Today, I wanna to look at the most excellent example of good leadership that I can think of, Jesus. Over these past few months in extended lockdown, I have felt our Lord prompt me to go back to the Gospel of Mark and look at the life of Jesus and learn afresh what he can show me about good leadership. It is so countercultural to so many worldly examples that we have today. <clears throat> Jesus was so clear about his purpose. Wherever he went, he preached the gospel. There was an urgency to it. When it was easy, when it was hard, when there was a big crowd, when it was one-on-one. -on -one. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He did it with such power, yet such humility every time. He knew why he had come. He lived and died and rose again to preach this good news, demonstrating it and modeling it to others, training them as he went. He never lost sight of that message. Not when his cousin John the Baptist was imprisoned and beheaded. Not when he was tempted to follow his own self-interest and self-ambition. Not when he became famous, not when it even cost him his life. When Jesus leads, his purpose is evident in every way. Now that in itself is not so different from a lot of leaders in our current society. An army major, for example, would very clearly know their purpose, to execute a chain of command. The CEO of Bunnings, lowest prices guaranteed, purpose, to gain more customers. The CEO of Mitre 10, where the tradies go, purpose to gain more tradies. We have examples of clear purpose in our own world too. But there is far more to Jesus' leadership than clarity over why he came. Let's look more at some of the things that he shows us through the Gospel of Mark about leading people really well. The second point is his message was consistent with his lifestyle. If you're not sure of Jesus' message, you can look at his life. If you're not sure about what his life was about, you can read his spoken message. 100% love, 100% truth, apparent in both. There's no inconsistency in either. 100% integrity and 100% fulfillment of what was said by the prophets about him. He called people to holiness and he lived a lifestyle of holiness. 100% holy never once in opposition to God's holiness in thought or action. He called people to follow him and offered extravagant acceptance, 
to 100% of people who chose to do so. People far from God felt loved and known and accepted by him. He was and is the real deal. It is the Jesus style of leadership when we see our leaders living out the message that they're asking others to do. And it matters in leading our homes, our schools, our local community groups, our church AGM, any level of leadership. Take an example from last week. The Archbishop of Cape Town, Desmond Tutu, 89 years old, said the following in a little speech. We are made for goodness. We are made for love. We are made for friendliness. We are made for togetherness. We are made for all the beautiful things that you and I know. We are made to tell the world that there are no outsiders. And we welcome black, white, red, yellow, rich, poor, educated, non-educated, male, female, gay, straight, all, all, all. We all belong to this family, this human family, God's family. These are truly beautiful, powerful, stirring words, made all the more powerful, knowing that it represents the way which Desmond Tutu has lived his whole life. He's lived a long life, but all throughout it, he's championed humanity. He's fought for justice and reconciliation. Someone who does this when it's easy for him and when it's hard. On the other hand, if this speech were, have been, were to have been said by Stalin, a past leader responsible for multiple atrocities and discriminations, the message would fall flat. His life clearly did not live out those principles and ideas. When Jesus leads, we see 100% integrity. His message and his life match up. The third point, Jesus lived a life yielded to God. Now, I'm not talking here about a life which became a doormat for everyone to walk over or living a moralistic code that just says, must do good, must do good, must do good. No, I'm not talking about a life of service that just values the principles of ideal and idealism of the virtues of volunteerism or surrendering because he'd just suddenly given up and thought, oh, stuff it, it's not worth it. Far from it. I'm talking about a life which so knew a vibrant, heavenly relationship with his heavenly father that he was able to live a life of total trust. And it led to a life of surrendering to God's will, knowing how much he was treasured by him. A life yielded, you could say, to the goodness of God. A life lived totally trusting to the goodness of God. Now, perhaps this is one of the biggest differences in Jesus' leadership. It was so radical and countercultural in his approach to others. We see that difference come out in the reading today. There's two big power grabs going on here. The first is between the two disciples. Please open your Bibles, Mark chapter 10, verse 35, and read with me. When James and John coming to Jesus, they said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus replied, hmm, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in glory. James and John fighting over who would sit next to Jesus. Who gets to look the most important? Who gets the power? 
Now, I'd like to um, say that, oh, this is just a first century cultural example and it can be explained in another way to how it sounds. But when we look at the reaction of the 10 other disciples, it says they were indignant. So it probably had the same shock value back then as it might have when you heard it today. A bold, audacious, brazen ambition and in-your-face attempt to seem important. Now, you might gasp in astonishment until we stop and think about how we often see these same sorts of attempt in our own culture, people furthering their own interests. If you don't believe me, try Googling how to get that promotion, how to look important, how to win friends and influence people. There's a myriad of responses, articles, thoughts, blogs, podcasts about these topics. For those who returned to school this week, or last week by the time you see this, did you see this sort of thing happen at lunchtime? People struggling to sit next to the person who was most liked? Adults, have you seen similar things at your workplaces or conferences you attend? To sit next to that person kind of shows we're close or maybe we could become close. It makes me look important and more powerful and perhaps furthers my own interest. Or maybe you're saying, no, Julie, I just like their company, and that's okay too. But Jesus recognised the heart motive that was going on with James and John, and he recognises it, our own motives as well. Verse 42 says, my paraphrase, you don't even know what you're asking, guys. The authority I have has come from the suffering I've endured. He then likens their power grabs, their selfish ambition, their self-interest, and their bureaucracy to the leaders that they see around them. Verse 42, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And here comes the revolutionary countercultural point of difference, the heart of this leadership principle and the lesson for those who follow him. Verse 43, instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came, sorry, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, that's a bit of a downer. If that's the qualifier for God's type of leadership, Suddenly, parenthood seems to be a perfect training ground for such leadership, maybe better than an MBA with high marks. Suddenly, living with flatmates that really irritate you and you've been stuck for a long period of lockdown together could be God's opportunity for you to become a leader in the making. Suddenly, your ministry groups, teachers, running your own business, any of it, verse 44 is so relevant. Whoever wants to become great among you must first learn to serve others. A teacher learns to serve her students well, going that extra mile for each student in need. A CEO or ministry leader needs to learn to look for the interest of his or her employees and customers or colleagues, placing them above his own or her own interests that might look like sharing their networks with someone else, sharing their platform at a conference, 
opening career doors for them instead of keeping them out of the loop of important conversations, acknowledging and honouring their work instead of saying nothing and letting people assume it was kind of your work. It's strange, isn't it? Because Jesus didn't teach us about increasing our influence, gaining more followers and our online media presence. No, nowhere does he say, whatever you do, don't forget to look after yourself because no one else will. No, Jesus modelled how to die to self, how to live a life yielded to a bigger purpose than one's own self-interest and desire to be important. He taught us how to trust him and his goodness while we do that. If you go to Google and you Google how to die to self, you won't find anything, well, I couldn't find anything, apart from people discussing biblical principles. If you Google how to serve others well, you're more likely to come up with how to start a tennis game well than how to serve people well. No one usually would sign up to such a countercultural message. Well, unless it's the very key to abundant life and the effects are eternal. In doing this, Jesus has inspired me and countless millions of others to lay down our own lives willingly, to accept at great cost and many costs and consider it gain for knowing him. Then he teaches us the example of how to be a servant leader for others. The fourth thing I noticed when I was reading through the Gospel of Mark, actually there were many, but I've limited it to four, he hung with his heavenly father a whole lot. Thinking about Jesus' yielded life, you might think, how could, his life, uh, how could he live his life for many and not feel like a doormat? How could he come to serve without feeling like his own life became increasingly insignificant and his own desires and dreams didn't matter anymore? I mean, how did he know where to go? How did he know what demon needed to come out? How did he know who to disciple next? All of these things came from hanging with his heavenly father, often. Hanging with our heavenly father teaches us about our incredible position in the heavenly realms, which enables us to go lower and serve others in the earthly realms without feeling like a doormat. Hanging with our Heavenly Father is where we receive wisdom on the next stage in our family life, in our share houses. It's where we get heaven's blueprint and guidance on leading our businesses out of COVID. It's where we fight and win prayer victories as we pray on behalf of others we are serving. Hanging with our Heavenly Father gives us fresh revelation on the word of God, deeper understanding in the things we're looking at, radiant faces, soft hearts, and authority that comes from God to do the things that God's calling us to do. When someone has been hanging with their heavenly father, the whole world pays attention. I want to conclude with a thought or two, switching gears a little bit, about how to get the most out of your leaders now at St John's we have an AGM coming up. You'll be asked to nominate people you think would be good in certain church leadership roles. And perhaps it's the year for you to step into one of those roles. It's a wonderful privilege to do so. But how can you get the most out of your leaders? Another way to consider it is how can I be a really good follower? And there's a fair bit of this in the Gospel of Mark as well if you're interested. 
It was interesting to me to see that Jesus, even the most excellent, servant-hearted, humble, powerful leader, was still limited by what he could do in people's villages and churches based on people's actions. Now, I share these as warnings so that we don't make the same mistake, but also encouragements. How to be a great follower, how to get the most out of your leader. Let me tell you, your faith in God, your hunger for God, your soft heart towards God can draw more out of your leader. When you come ready on a Sunday, or any day you watch these podcasts, really, here's an example. Come ready on a Sunday with pen and paper and expect to hear from God. That ready heart anticipation genuinely activates heaven's attention and God's attention. And God will use that person and bless that service more to reach and respond to you. I've seen this in countless times, praying in different churches, ministering, preaching in different places. Just a few days ago, I was in a prayer triplet with someone and they expressed a great need that they had before God. I prayed in no special way to any other time I prayed and I prayed, but God showed me something and I shared it with that person and prayed a simple prayer. The floodgates opened, so to speak, and in the following days, she just kept writing messages about what God had said to her through that and the sort of door it had opened in her heart to understanding some tough things that were happening. Now, the magic wasn't in some different prayer or how I prayed it. I really believe it came from her being hungry to hear from God. So God blessed whoever, which was me at the time, was willing to pray into this matter and flooded through me to reach her, responding to her need. When you have a faith and a hunger in God and a softness towards God, you will be drawing more out of your leaders to reach the needs of yourself and of others around you. Hook your attention on him. Another way to draw more out of your leaders, pray for them. Oh my gosh, I can't say this enough. I came and started working at St. John several years ago and one of the first things I noticed here compared to many other places I've worked in is how much people pray. It is not only inspiring and encouraging to know that there's such an active faith community here, but you can feel the favour of God here. There's an ease in ministry compared to other places. You can see the genuine goodness of God in the lives of people here. And I do believe that's a result of people praying and petitioning and asking Jesus for these things. So do keep praying for your leaders. Pray for staff, but pray for the leaders that are nominated at AGM uh, for the following year or your ministry leaders in your context or your work leaders, your teachers. Pray often and pray from your heart. Another way to draw more out of your leaders, show appreciation and support. They're just humans, as you would well know, called by God for a role, but they still need the blessing of community along the way. They need you and you need them. Thank you to Parish Council and the Wardens for leading so well in this past 12 months and making sure people are safe in this world pandemic. Thank you to ministry leaders, life group, uh, local mission teams, those that are putting their hands up for st stars in the Shire, those that are teaching the children. 
Thank you for transitioning to online ministry to serve and shepherd people well. Thank you to those parents who have done it pretty tough these past two terms with homeschooling. Each person deserves a medal. Who can you show your appreciation to this week? Now, before I conclude, as you would have heard from Tim and multiple other times, we do a St. John's Extra each week, and it's a little bit of an extension of the teaching. I want to ask you what questions you have about Jesus' leadership or perhaps questions you've been pondering that you would like me to respond to in St. John's Extra next week. You can type them in the comments or submit them through our website, our info hub, and I'll try to get to each person that's responded. Otherwise, I'll think of another way to get back to you, but I invite you to do that. So when it comes to leadership, what's the verdict? My verdict is Jesus should be nominated for every role and everyone should vote for Jesus. But that wasn't his plan, right? He served others and trained others, leaving those roles to us so we can follow his example. And that example that we do becomes a witness to others of what he's like. What's your takeaway point today? Know your purpose, live with integrity to your message, live yielded to the goodness and love of God, and hang with your heavenly Father often. Let me pray for you. Mighty God, we need each other We need each other as we follow you and we thank you for each person tuning in and listening today. Mighty God, I pray that you would meet them where they're at, whichever device they're watching on, whoever they're meeting with. God, that your blessing would be upon that family, that household, that individual today. Mighty God, I pray that you would take this word and use it powerfully in people's lives, accomplishing your purpose and bringing your goodness and love and abundant life to each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.